If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. In the last two weeks, we've looked at Jonah running from God. Today, we find Jonah running towards God. We left Jonah last time. He was falling down into the Mediterranean Sea, and God spoke to a large fish or a whale, if you will, and he swallowed the wayward prophet up. I like what Paul Mackerel wrote. We should note that this fish was appointed by God, even down to its precise placement within the Mediterranean Sea and the opening of its mouth. Its every movement is directed by God. So Jonah was not in a situation that was unknown to God. In fact, God caused the situation to come about. And as Jonah was falling, one thing that sticks on my mind is this verse. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before, or uh, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Jonah had told, basically told God that I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to preach to Nineveh. First of all, because he may have been a little afraid. Secondly, because they were Ninevites. And so Jonah pridefully said, I'm going to get on a boat in Joppa and I'm going to cross the Mediterranean Sea and I'm going to go to Tarshish in Spain to get away from you. We realize that it was the pane of God, the face of God, that Jonah was running from. Well, then God caused a, caused a great tempest upon the sea and the sailors identified that it was Jonah and they asked God not to punish them for what was about to take place and of course they threw the prophet overboard only after they had tried every possible means to save Jonah's life because they realized that if they threw Jonah into the water, it would be certain death. So even the sailors had their come-to-Jesus moment and prayed that they would not receive punishment for what they did. And so the sailors threw Jonah overboard. Now, as we pick up chapter 2 now, Jonah is inside the whale. And he's going to talk here, first of all, about praying. In fact, the whole chapter is about praying. But more than that, it is a testimony to God. Now, we start with the reading in verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Pilel is the Hebrew word for pray, and it means to ask for intervention. Jonah now, realizing the situation he now begins to turn to God. Let me, let, me, let me say this. Sometimes the circumstances in our lives cause us to pray to God. Sometimes it may be a diagnosis, uh, a, a, a serious diagnosis, and we turn and we want to pray to God. Sometimes it could be the loss of a job that forces us to pray to God. It could be uh, some other areas of life that could cause us to turn and suddenly pray to God. Sometimes disasters. We have a disaster team in the Southern Baptist Convention that goes into 
uh, parts of the South or wherever there's been a disaster, such as a hurricane or a tornado, and that group will pray, and churches will get involved, and they will pray to God. Jonah's situation was a time for him to begin to reach up to God. And it was really of Jonah's own making because he refused to do what God told him to do. So God was responding. Now notice, notice for the first time now, notice here that Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Notice it's a personification of God here. This is the first time now Jonah is getting serious with the Lord. It is his God, Elohim, the mighty God. Sometimes it is true in our own lives that sometimes disasters come and it might radically change the way that we see our relationship to him. Have you ever met people that uh, it took a tragedy or something uh, really bad for them to turn their lives around and come back to God? that's exactly what is happening here. Here you have the prophet who had prophesied under Jeroboam II that his reign would expand, and it did. And now you have the prophet of God who was called by God to go to Nineveh, running away from the pane of God, the face of God. How could you do that? And so God just said, okay, Jonah, we're going to do this the hard way, right? You're not going to do it the easy way, which was just go to Nineveh when I told you, but now we're going to do it the hard way. And so Jonah now is in a tough situation. There's so many things that God spoke to me about in these verses this week. One of them was, notice he says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. When you think about the belly of the fish or the whale, by the way, this is the insides of a whale you go to the insides of a whale it stinks there are other animals in there there's all kinds of uh, stuff floating in the whale and so here the prophet of God is now inside the whale and this would have been his view I think when he talks about and the gates were closing I think maybe these tentacles here might have been a visual image for Jonah but you know what I do think I do think God is giving Jonah a visual image of sin because he's inside this whale he looks around and he sees this ugly inside smelly place and God is giving him an image of what the Ninevites look like before a holy God and Jonah now is inside the belly of a whale when you think about and Jonah does make a correlation here between the belly of the whale and Sheol here you have the prophet of God and God is giving him a visual image of sin so that it would burn deep within Jonah when he goes to Nineveh, which he will. I cannot, to this day, I cannot look at a tree that has roots coming out of it and not be reminded of my call to the ministry. 
There's something about visual images. And Jonah could have left this out. He could have said, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Why did he add the belly of a whale? I think it made such an impression on Jonah that he was in there and he had the smells and the sights and and everything. And, And God was saying, look, Jonah, that's Nineveh. That's why I wanted you to go to Nineveh because this is what sin looks like and you are in the midst of it yourself. It's time to wake up. Mm. it is often when we see our sin for what it is is when change takes place Jonah now is in the midst of this whale and Jonah was called to go to Nineveh how are they going to hear about the love of God if the prophet of God will not go How's the world outside these church doors going to hear about Yahweh, his love for them, if we do not share the message with them? When we have the opportunities, and this, I'm I'm leaving it up here a while, so that you can see what Jonah saw, and that you can maybe get a picture of the image of sin and people outside the church doors who are living in sin. I think... I think the image is well taken by Jonah. We move now to the testimony, which is the bulk of the sermon. So inside the fish, inside the whale, Jonah prays. He says in verse 2, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. Yes, it was distress. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And you heard my voice. This is a general testimony. Yes, it's in form of prayer. And some scholars have said this is uh, the psalm of Jonah, that that he's singing to God. But uh, he's calling out here to the Lord in his distress. And he said, the Lord answered me out of the belly of Sheol. He knew Jonah got the message. He got the message that this is the full magnitude of sin. And no doubt God began working on Jonah's heart to get him to go to Nineveh to preach against those who were trapped in Sheol. And he heard my voice. Now, for the Israelites, for the Hebrews, there's three ways to interpret Sheol. One is it's a reference to the underworld. A second is that it is a reference to Hades. And a third is it's the grave. And maybe all of these come into play here. Uh, If I had to lean, it would probably be Hades or the grave. But the fact is, Jonah is in a bad spot, just just as the Ninevites were in a bad spot. But God heard his voice. The point here is that even in Sheol, God is there. The bigger point is this, that no matter where we go in this life, we are never out of the arm's reach of God. Psalmist 138, verse 9, If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. There is no place the child of God can go where God is not with them. 
There is no place that you can be in your life that God is not there. And sometimes I realize that it seems like God is not around. He's nowhere to be found. But I'm going to tell you, Yodehavev, Elohim is with you. Jesus Christ himself even said in Matthew 28, 20, I, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You do not walk alone. You do not walk alone. And oftentimes we forget about it when we go through hardships and trials and terrible situations and we think that God is not with us. I want to encourage you today as your pastor that God is always always with you. Jonah says, even from the depths of Sheol, you heard me. The prophet of God now is starting to turn back to the pane of God, to the face of God. And there's an interesting play, a word play here coming up in just a few minutes. But notice verse 3. For you, you cast me into the deep. So Jonah knew. Jonah knew it wasn't the sailors that was casting him in. It was God. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. I like what... Smith and Page said they quoted Martin Luther, the great Reformed theologian. Jonah does not say that the waves and the billows of the sea went over me, but thy waves and thy billows, because he felt in his conscience that the sea with its waves and billows was the servant of God and of his wrath to punish sin. Here we have this great God who can communicate to a whale to go get Jonah and swallow him and keep him contained until the, the punishment for sin was over. And he is also now commanding the seas and the waves to do his work. And this is the great God that Jonah was, was coming to understand in a much greater greater place in his heart you know he is giving a testimony here about the goodness of God even in the midst of struggle God didn't cast Jonah off forever he put him in a place where he could discipline him so that he could get him ready to go to Nineveh to preach the good news of the kingdom of God here we see a great testimony of God. You're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, how can this be a great testimony? The whale swallowed John. It was a pitiful place to be. It was, a, it was a place of, and by the way, ultimately, when he was in the belly of the whale, it was a separation from God. But, I love that word, but, in Scripture. But, God heard Jonah. Here's the word play. Verse 4, then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look upon your holy temple again. I am driven away from your sight is the same word, pane. I am driven away from the face of God. And in this moment, in this moment, Jonah has a glimmer of hope because he no 
who he has believed. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. In verse 4, in verse 7, it's clear that his, his prayers were going up to the holy temple in heaven. But here I think Jonah has in mind the temple. He's saying here, I know, I know the situation looks bad. I know that. But I know Elohim and I know that he is a mighty deliverer. And someday I will come out of this well and I will once again look upon the holy temple of God in Jerusalem. I will see it. And let me say this. There is always always, always hope in God. When things look dark and they look depressed and they look like it's we're going to lose, do not lose your hope. God is there and He will. And so Jonah's saying, I know the situation looks bad. I know that I've been driven away by my own mistake. I've been driven away from the face of God, yet I know. You could say it this way, yet I know my Redeemer lives. Jonah. Jonah has hope that God will allow him to live and to see the temple once again. Notice verse 5. Then the waters closed over me, closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. What is Jonah talking about? As Jonah was falling, apparently seaweed had wrapped around his head and it probably had wrapped around his body. It is impossible to see in that situation. Jonah is thinking, I'm dead. But you know what? Because Jonah compares this this belly of a well to Sheol, I think we can go here. Uh, we live in a world where people are wrapped up. They cannot see the light of the gospel. In fact, the God of this age has blinded the minds and hearts of those who are lost so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. We are living in Nineveh. Jonah here saying that the situation had become so bleak that everything surrounded me and the weeds had wrapped around my eyes that I could not see. He was living in darkness. The situation was beyond his control. This also reminds me about something else. Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we have, are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us cast off every thing that hinders and sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Jonah was trapped. He was entangled. There was no way out of this. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, our sin can entangle us. And sometimes, our sin traps us. And this is maybe Jonah's way of saying, at this point, Lord, I thought I was done. What a wonderful testimony for Jonah. And by the way, I want to encourage you to share your testimony with people. To share your, your, your testimony with, with people. I'm going to tell you the most, when, when, when you do that, people see that Jesus is real. 
You think, well, my testimony is not that great. Every testimony is great. Jonah's sharing his, I was, I was sinking deep in sin. And yet God heard me even in the midst of my rebellion. Oh, what a testimony. What a testimony by Jonah. The waters closed over me. The deep surrounded me and my head was wrapped up. And the roots of the mountain, verse 6, and the roots of the mountains. Now, wait a minute. What is that about? The ancient Hebrew conception of the universe was basically this. You had the ferment. You had the water above the ferment. You have the skies, the stars. Sheol was thought to be right down here at the bottom of the earth. And the mountains were connected to Sheol. So when Jonah said the weeds were wrapped around me and the mountains also, he was saying, I was at the bottom. I was at a place in which you cannot get out of on your own accord. On your own accord, you cannot get out of that. But we worship Yodehavev, Yahweh. I went down to the land whose bars... That's hell. And I'm assuming that Jonah means when the whale shut his mouth, the teeth of the whale acted as bars. Closed up on me forever. Underline this. Yet you brought my life up from the pit. Jonah, in his mind, was done, but God was not done. God had a plan for Jonah. And there was nothing outside of the arm reach of God. Psalm eighteen sixteen, And he reached down from on high and took hold of me and drew me out of the deep waters. I don't know where you are today. But I can tell you this with all confidence. No matter where you are. God can reach down and pull you out. No matter where you are. No matter what's going on in your life. No matter what is happening. God can reach down and pull you up because he has done this for thousands of years. You are never alone. You are never outside where God can't see you. He sees you. He knows where you are. You say, well, how can God do that with all the people in the world? That's how he is God. That's why he's God. He can see this. Jonah makes a serious confession in verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Never forget the Lord. Alan writes in his commentary on Jonah, 
now the prodigal returns, drawn closer to him than ever before by the cords of his redemptive love. Just as dire, just as dire physical extremities forced the prodigal son to a decision to return home in his repentance, so Jonah in his last moments thought of the one who alone could help him as creator and controller of the sea. If you're in rebellion today, let me remind you to remember the Lord. Go back to him. Go back to the pane of God, the face of God. And if you're in a situation that seems very difficult, God sees it. God knows it. Trust him. Trust him. Do not give up on Yodehavev. Do not give up on Elohim. Do not give up on him because God can reach down and pull you out of the waters. It's usually not as fast as we want, but he will when he needs to. So when we pray to God, he will save us. When we pray to God, he will save us. This, these two verses, 8 and 9, remind me of uh, Psalm 31.6. I hate those who regard vain idols, but I will trust in the Lord. Now note what Jonah writes here. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Okay, translation of this verse is a reminder of something. I'll share it with you in a second. Astarte was a Phoenician god, a goddess. She was the, gods, the goddess of love and war. That would have been worshipped about the time that Jonah was here. So you had that god. Then you had Melkart, who was the sun god. So if you wanted a sunny day, you would go to Melkart and you would pray to him and you would leave sacrifices if you were looking for romantic love, of course, you would go see Astarte. Now, if you were pregnant, Tanit. If you were pregnant and you wanted a smooth delivery, you offered to that god. You know what's funny about these ancient gods and goddesses? They never wrote a book. They never wrote a book. Stories were written about them, but none of these gods ever wrote a book. Our God wrote a book. He wrote it through men divinely inspired by him. Those who pay regard or offer service to stuff like this forsake the hope of real love. There's a point being made here that is often missed. They forsake their own hope of steadfast love. This does not, this does not give them love. This does not fill the void in their heart. They forsake it. In other words, if they worship 
These gods, they do not worship the God who truly loves them and made them and wants a relationship with him. They forsake that. Do not forsake the love of God. If you are outside of Christ this morning, turn to him. He will take you even if you are in the belly of Sheol itself. He will reach down and pull you out and redeem you and put you on dry ground and put you on stable ground so that you can live for him in this world that desperately needs to know him. But, that's a contrast. For those who live like this, we should be in mourning. Maybe it's a next door neighbor. They, they just, whoever. Think about this. Think. I know, I know a lot of you, and I know that you're born again. But I want you to try to travel back for a second, back to the time when you were outside the love of God, the Hesed love of God. How does that position look to you now when you look back? Get the belly of that well in your heart and in your mind today so that when you go out of here, you can, you can tell people, don't forsake the love of God. Do you know how much God loves the Ninevites in our world today? He loves them, even though, the, even though they may be the vilest of the Ninevites. He loves them. He wants a relationship with him. And we are the Jonas. We are the ones that go out and share the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs to know him. Jonah says, but I, now Jonah's starting, Jonah's the prophet now. You see what's happened? There's been repentance but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Jonah has returned to the pane of God. What I have vowed I will pay, salvation belongs to the Lord. Smith and Page are right on this. While some doubt the genuineness of this passage here, Jonah dealt with the subject that is the basis of the book. There is the possibility to forfeit God's offer of salvation. Idols represent not only ineffectiveness, but worshiping them involves a rejection of Yahweh. Jonah said, those who worship vain idols are out of the covenant relationship with God. Not Jonah. Jonah's back in. He has repented there has been a change of heart in Jonah. Do you remember the day that your heart changed? There had been a change of heart in Jonah. Now notice what, what, what Jonah says. But I with the voice, the voice of thanksgiving. In other words, Jonah is praising God. What is he praising God for? Saving his life. Do you not see the grace of God here? <laughs> if God was not loving, he would have let Jonah drown. But God is loving, and he had a plan for Jonah. He was not going to allow the Ninevites not to hear the message of God's love. He wasn't going to do that. Jonah was, 
tasked with that. Jonah was not going to let, or God was not going to let Jonah get away with this. I, I see here the grace of God, and of course Jonah's praising God. I get it, because he thought he, he thought he was done. He thought he was so far away from God that he couldn't be reached, and God said no. Now, I'm going to pull you out of the pit here, Jonah. I'm going to pull you up. Then Jonah says, I'm going to sacrifice, which is worship. The prophet's back. It took a radical, <laughs> it took a radical situation in Jonah's life, but he's back. He now understands the magnitude of God. He may have, might have known it before, but now he really knows it. This is a God that commands the seas, the waves. This is the God who speaks to a whale, and the whale comes, picks him up exactly at the location where Jonah fell, uh, that's too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence. God was there. Thirdly, he said, salvation belongs to the Lord, and that word rescue, Jonah is acknowledging God. When was the last time you offered praise to God? Not, not in church, but when was the last time you praised God in your own life? Verse 10. After all this that Jonah went through, running, running from God, okay. I think Jonah gets it. But he's not going to get it again in chapter 4. So it's kind of like us. We get it here and then we boink over here. And the Lord spoke to the fish. Now, this is the second time God spoke to the fish, right? Remember the last time I tried to do one of those? And the fish turned. God is speaking to the fish. Nobody ever talks about this fish. Some scholars believe this fish couldn't eat for three days because it would affect Jonah. Nobody talks about the fish, the whale. He was an instrument. God said, well, I want you to go and I want you to vomit Jonah out. Did you know that whale vomit is very price, pricey? From the whale comes these stones and they are roughly $70,000 for these stones that these whales, look it up, check it out online. Jonah probably didn't think it was priceless at this moment. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry ground. Where do you think it was? Here's Jonah, dripping with whale juice. <laughs> yeah, Enjoy lunch, by the way. Jonah is now spit out. The whale will probably go get something to eat now. And Jonah is spit out onto the dry ground. The text doesn't say the dry ground where he spit him out. But there's one possible location where God spit out Jonah. Right back where he started shallow waters there's a couple of places just right just right in here 
if he'd have dropped him off in uh, northern Syria, but I think he might have dropped him back off where he started and said, okay, let's do this right. Jonah still had roughly a 600-mile trip to Nineveh. And he's dripping. Maybe another picture for Jonah to remind him that these people are sinners and they need God. Oh, and by the way, we're still sinners. We're still dripping. The difference is our sin has been covered. If anybody should know sinners, it saved sinners. Now, Jonah, that was really funny. Uh, the other slide I had was 200 and 2,500 miles. It's probably still 2,500 miles or so. He started here, and he's going through the Mediterranean Sea, and somewhere in here, God caused this big wind, and Jonah thought he was going to get to Tarshish. Yep, okay. Paid my price. Go down, go down into the hole, and I'm going to sleep, and everything's going to be fine. Mm -mm. No, Jonah's running from God, and now he's right back probably where he started from. Not looking as pretty as when he left. couple of thoughts here don't wait until something major happens in your life to come back to God I've seen it but just go to him run to the pane of God to the face of God and know this God is always willing to take you wherever you are you know that you do know that, right? I don't care if you're in full-blown rebellion. I want you to understand this morning that if you will turn to God, he will accept you. If you're in a bad spot this morning, run to God. And know this, there is always hope in Yodehaveh.